0: God bless you, children of God. I do greet each of you once again in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus Christ, our soon coming King. We thank God for another day in the land of the living. We pray that each of you are blessed and highly favored. As you hear this broadcast, we pray that God continues to bless each of us. He has woke us up another day. Listen to me, my brother and my sister, everyone who went to sleep last night, God says they did not wake up today in the land of the living. But our creator so purposed for you and for me to spend another day in the land of the living. We give him all praise. We give him all glory. We give him all honor. For those of you worshiping with us for the first time, I am Apostle Robert Bryant, pastor of the Christian Center Church Worldwide Headquarters, Kenston, North Carolina, USA. And I'd like to welcome you once again to another edition of Living the Word, a place where sound doctrine is brought to the ears of millions of God's people all over the world. Once again, we thank God for each of you and we pray God's favor upon your life. Saints, we're going to take a look at something today that is very important for the body of Christ to understand um, because the adversary is working very hard in humanity to confuse men and women, even men and women of God in regards to this very thing. And the Lord is placing the great apostle Peter in my spirit as he lived during the time, during the transitionary period from the law of Moses to the law of Christ, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He lived during this transitionary period and it was not easy for him to go from the Old to the new. As today, there are many individuals that are having problems, struggling to go from the old covenant of God to the new covenant of God, struggling to go from the law of Moses to the law of Christ. So we're going to take a look at these two covenants, these two laws today. And my prayer is that someone will be clarified today in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ. Saints, we're going to go to the book of Galatians chapter 6 with a special focus on verse 2. Galatians chapter 6 with a special focus on verse 2. The spirit of God says to us, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We're going to work from a theme today, children of God, the law of Christ, the law of Christ. Let us pray. Eternal Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you again, Heavenly Father, for this another day. We thank you for life, for health, for strength, for food, for water, for clothing, for shelter. Father, so many little things that you didn't have to do for us, but you did. We are not ungrateful, Father. We are not unappreciative. We are pausing reverently to say thank you for all of these things. Thank you, Father, for things that we know and things that we don't know. Father, we say thank you. Father, we magnify you. We adore you. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor, Father, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Your name is worthy to be praised. You, you have done so much to us and through us and for us, Father, we just want to say thank you. We just want to cry hallelujah to the most high God, to the creator of our being, the creator of our spirit, the creator of our soul, the creator of our bodies. It's you that gives us life. It's you that gives us health, strength. Every good and perfect gift, Father, has come from you. We just want to say Thank you today, Father. Thank you for another day in the land of the living. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Father, we ask once again that you forgive us this day of our sins, of our iniquities, of what we have thought, done, said, felt, imagined that was not pleasing in your sight. Father, we are sorry. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us, Father. We ask that you, Heavenly Father, continue leading us and guiding us in your paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Father, we ask that you do these things for us. We will forever give your name the glory, forever give your name the honor, forever give your name the praise. Father, we want to be welcomed into the eternal kingdom that you have prepared for us since before the foundations of the earth. Help us, Father. To get prepared for that great and terrible day when you send your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, back to the earth. This is our prayer, Father. These and all of the blessings we ask and count done. In Jesus' mighty and glorious name we have prayed. That God's people say, Amen. Amen and... Amen. The Law of Christ. Praise the Living God. As we look at Paul's teachings to the Galatian saints. We see this great apostle under the unction of the Spirit of God ushering God's people into a new thing. Now, my spirit is going to the conference that I have been invited to in Liberia next month. And The topic or the theme of the conference is, behold, God says, I will do a new thing. Now, new things, as glorious as they may be and as wonderful as they may be, whether it's a new child in your family, a new job. I spoke to one of my deacons a little earlier. He's excited. He's about to to take a new job. You know, new thing, new clothes, we can get a new car or a new television. Oftentimes, these are very exciting times for you and I. We like new stuff from time to time. It's, you know, it's exciting and it's it's. it's new. But new things can also be very stressful. So, we understand that as excited as we may be by God doing a new thing in us or to us or through us, it is also a time of stress because we are entering into unfamiliar territory to us. New job, we got to meet new people, we got to learn new procedures, new protocol, a new church, we got to have a drive a new way. We got to sit in a different new place. It's a time, it's exciting time, but it is also a stressful time. You know, I, I think back, you know, about 30 some countries that I have been in in the last seven or eight years. It's exciting to go into a new country and meet with new children and people of God, but it's also stressful as each country has its problems, has its issues. Each church has its problems and issues. So new things can be exciting and they can also be stressful. You say, Apostle, why is this important? This is important because when the Apostle Paul was writing these words to the Galatian saints, it was a time that God was doing a new thing. He was taking men and women from Judaism to Christianity. Christ's death, resurrection, death on the cross and resurrection ushered us into the church age. We went from Judaism and the worship of of God with the sacrifices of the blood of bulls, the blood of goats, the blood of pigeons, into Christianity where now God is asking that you and I present our bodies as living sacrifices. Us going from the temple worship, where we had to go to the temple In order to worship to now God's spirit living inside of us, us, each one of us becoming a temple of God. Bible says, do you not know that your body is a temple. Of the Lord who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. Therefore, honor God now, not with the blood of bulls and pigeons and goats, but now we honor God with our bodies. This was a new experience for God's people. The Holy Spirit coming on the day of of Pentecost and God going from Emmanuel, which means God with us, to where and where the church is now with, with God in us. It was new. It was stressful. So now Paul is... And, and the other apostles, through and by the Spirit of God, are now working to try and usher God's people into this new form of worship. Where we now worship God in spirit and in truth. God is now alive inside of you. God is now alive inside of me. We don't have to go to a temple somewhere. We don't have to go to a mountain somewhere. God told the woman at the well that the time is coming and has now come where true worshipers of God will worship God in spirit and in truth. You can worship God in spirit and in truth in your bathroom. You can worship God in spirit and in truth in your bedroom. You can worship God in spirit and in truth in your car as you God the time has now come that we worship God. It's not so much where we worship God, but now the issue is how we worship God. And Paul writes to the saints At Galatia, he says in verse one, brothers and sisters. First thing Paul deals with, Paul said, look, understand that we in Christ are brothers and sisters. I know we're apostles and we're prophets and we're evangelists and we're pastors and deacons and we're teachers and we're deacons. I mean, so many different things. But we are brothers. At the at the end of the day, you and I are brothers and sisters. Same. I used to have one brother in our congregation who used to call me brother pastor. You know, brother pastor, because you, 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 you're my brother, and you're my pa- brother pastor. And we would smile, at us. I'd say, yes, brother Ike. And, you know, But we would smile because at the end of the day, we are brothers. We are sisters. Our white brothers and sisters, our black brothers and sisters, our Canadian brothers and sisters, our Nigerian brothers and sisters, our Kenyan brother. We are brothers and sisters. Paul said brothers and sisters. If someone is caught in a sin. Now Paul says, look, now that we are brothers and sisters, Thank you, Holy Spirit. God says there's a right way to handle every situation. Let me say that again. Children of God, there is a right way. Now that we are brothers and sisters, we are supposed to handle situations and circumstances and people and places and things in the right way. If someone is caught in a sin, Paul said, look, we're not talking about a rumor that someone is sinning. We're not talking about gossip that someone is sinning. We are talking about someone is caught in a sin, that there there is no doubt about it. Like the woman that was caught in the act Of adultery. I mean, we're not. That means she was. She was getting down when they busted in on her. That woman that Jesus talked to, uh, that was caught in the act of adultery. She was. She wasn't caught getting ready to have. The Bible doesn't say the woman caught getting ready to have adultery. Says she was caught in the act. That means she was having sex with either someone's husband or uh, she was married and having sex outside. She was caught in the act of adultery now this is what we are talking about here we're not talking about rumors they're all kind of rumors they're all kind of things they're saying about pastor behind his back or the apostle or you or me there's all kind of things being said about us And we're being accused of Satan is accusing you and accusing me. His name literally means accuser of the brethren. That's what Satan means. We're not talking about if someone is accused of sin. God said, that's not that's not what I instructed, Robert. God says, if someone is caught. In a sin, in other words, people see you saw you, they're looking right at you, doing it, have done it. Now, God says, we're not talking about the one who's caught in the sin. God says, I'm talking about the one who catch him or her in the sin. If someone is caught in a sin, now, now watch this now, because understand my brother and my sister, When we're talking about the law of Christ, we're talking about the individual that's committing the sin and the individuals that uh, have caught them in the sin behaving in the right way. You say, Apostle, what does that mean? That means this. That if an individual is committing a sin, he or she is wrong. But the individuals that catch an individual in a sin, if they don't handle it according to scripture, then they are just as wrong as the one who committed the sin. Uh Oh. Apostle, say that again. What does that mean? That means that if you and I catch someone in a sin, they wrong or they are wrong for committing the sin. We understand that. That's a given. Woman caught in the act of adultery, she was wrong for committing adultery. No question about that. But if you and I who catch her don't handle it the way scripture tells us to handle it, then we become just as guilty, just as wrong before God as she is that was committing the sin. Some of you all out there, I can feel you in my spirit saying, I didn't know that, Apostle. I didn't know that. I, I know you didn't. I know you didn't. Right. So so be careful, my brother and my sister. When we are looking at someone else and the mistake that they made, make sure that we handle that mistake the way God says handle it, or God says you will be just as wrong before me as that individual who you caught in the sin. Politician, you know, gets caught committing adultery and we go out and we gossip about it. God says you are just as wrong as the politician that committed the sin or the pastor or the church leader or whatever commits sin and we go out. And we start backbiting and and, and speaking it, we become just as guilty as the one that committed the sin. So I want to encourage every child of God, every brother and sister under the sound of my voice, when you and I see a sin that someone has committed, we know they committed sin, Let us make sure we handle that situation properly or we will become just as guilty before God as they are. Now, the Lord is bringing a scripture in in my mind. Uh, Let me see. Yeah, it's the same scripture. I was just seeing it. I was thinking of it with a different translation, but it's the same, same scripture that we're looking at Galatians chapter six, verse one, for those of you just joining us. So if someone is caught in a sin, someone is caught. All right. We know that they're sinning. We know that they've done wrong. We know that they've, they're caught. There's no question about it. This is not a rumor. This is not hearsay. This, this is, this is fact. They're caught in the sin. Look at the instruction. You who live by the Spirit. Now, understand, my brother and my sister, we have a responsibility to live by the Spirit. God says, if not, you are just as guilty as that individual that was caught in the sin. If you and I are not living by the spirit, if you and I are not obeying the spirit, if you and I are not listening to the spirit, then we are just as guilty as he or she. Someone's caught in the sin like uh, uh, God said, "Okay, Robert, somebody caught in the sin. Yes. Okay. Now, those who live by the spirit have to follow my instructions, saith the Lord in dealing with that person that is caught by a sin. If not, they are just as guilty. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit, I pray for every soul. Listen, listen. Failure to live by the spirit. God says, Robert, you can have the spirit. Having the spirit, God is speaking in my spirit now. And obeying the spirit, Robert, God says are two different things. In other words, we can have the spirit, but we might not be listening to the spirit. We can have the spirit, but not be following the spirit. We can have the spirit, but God wants you and I to live by the spirit. God said, don't just have the spirit. That's about like having a million dollars, but you've decided you're not going to spend any of it. So it's just sitting in your closet collecting dust. You still got bills that need to be paid. You still you know, don't have any food to eat or whatever the problem, because you, you're not using what is at your disposal, that million dollars. So having it, what is it about a million dollars that excites us? Not just having it, no, being able to use it. What should excite us about having the Holy Spirit is not just having the Holy Spirit, but being able to use him. Letting him lead us, letting him guide us, letting him instruct us, letting us letting him show us the best course of action. Show us what we need to be doing. Show us how we need to be behaving. Show us what we need to be saying. Let the Spirit lead. What good is God put his spirit in you and you don't want to listen to him? You still doing what you think. You still saying what you what you feel, what you believe. God said, well, what, what I give you my spirit for? God saying to us, live by the spirit. So we can deal with individuals that have been caught in sins properly so that we can stay out of sin, live by the spirit. See, when we live by the spirit, it'll do two, do two things to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Lord is just dealing with, with me on this. I've been preaching this 30 years and I'm just seeing this today. God said, Robert, living by the spirit. Number one, it will help you to deal with those who are caught in a sin properly. All right. We understand that. We just finished talking about that. Living by the spirit will help us. Deal properly with those who are caught in a sin. OK, we understand that. And God says, number two, Robert, living by the spirit will keep you out of sin. My God, my God, living by the spirit. You say some some of you may say, apostle, what is the benefit? Of living by the spirit, what what good is it? What, what living by the spirit will help you and I deal with those who have been caught in a sin. Those who have fell in a sin, living by the spirit will help us to deal with them properly. We stay out of trouble with God because we'll deal with people that have been caught in a sin properly. And number two, God says living by the spirit will help keep you out of sin. I want to encourage you, my brother. I want to encourage you, my sister. Let us live by the spirit. We are not under the Mosaic law anymore. We are now under the New Testament. We are now under the law of Christ. The the Mosaic law, what was written on those tablets of stone. You do this basically or you die. That was that was the way that was the way things went a whole lot of the time in the Old Testament. You do this or you die. You do this or you get stoned to death. You do this or you get burned with fire. You do this or you die. Now we are under. The law of Christ. This is what God wants you to do. This is what Christ wants you to do. Still some things out there that if we don't do it, we can die. But God is now saying, do it this way. Do it this way. A lot of principles in the new covenant. God is still as against sin as he ever was. But, you know, it's it's not always the instant death like it was in the Old Covenant. So, living by the Spirit. Help us deal with those caught in the sin properly and keep us out of sin. Those of us who live by Spirit, when someone is caught in the sin, what are we supposed to do? Restore that person gently. Many people do just the opposite to a person that is caught in sin. See, When a person is caught in a sin, that's one of the ways you can tell if people are living by the spirit or whether they are just as guilty as the one that committed the sin. How do they deal with the person caught in the sin? Do they try to crucify him, which many, many times we do, or do we try to restore him? God is calling for you and I restore that person. That's been called in the sin now. Restore that person gently. God didn't say backbite, God didn't say gossip, God didn't say get on your telephone and call just about everybody you know and tell them about the sin that they sent. God says, restore the person. Gently. God says, but watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. See, watch yourself. You may be tempted to, to gossip. You may be tempted to backbite. You may be tempted to stone them like the like the people want to do to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Watch yourself. You know, watch yourself. You may be tempted to do something crazy. You may be tempted to do something that is outside of the will of God. In our restoring of one another, when we have been caught in the sin, the individual that's restoring needs to watch themselves or they may also be tempted. Now, what the Lord is placing in my spirit now is uh, situations that I've experienced where I've had cars that have gotten stuck in the mud. Right here at the Christian Center, right in the yard. Sometimes when it rains a lot, the yard gets very uh, soggy. And if you attempt to drive a car, you can get the vehicle stuck in the mud. Well, we've done that at times over the years and there have been times a vehicle has gotten stuck in the mud and another vehicle was planning to, we were planning to use another vehicle to push it out or to pull it out of the mud and we had to be very careful with the other vehicle because the ground was still soggy and the ground was still wet. We had to be careful with the other vehicle because in trying to rescue that first vehicle, that second vehicle could also get stuck. And there have been times when the second vehicle almost got stuck. You say, Apostle, why is this important? Well, this is similar to what the spirit of God is saying to us in this scripture. When we're restoring a person that has been, Caught in a sin, we want to be careful that we don't get stuck. Also, much like the the, the second vehicle, we want to be careful that, that 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 we don't fall into sin. Trying to restore someone that has fallen into sin. Now, one more example, the Lord is placing in my spirit. I shared this with the saints in Kampala, Uganda. Years ago, I went and got lifeguard certification because we have a swimming pool here at the Christian Center Church Worldwide. Years ago, I knew a lot of little kids and neighbors would be in a pool. So I wanted to get trained so that if one of them started drowning, I would know the proper technique in order to, to save them. So I went and took lifeguard training courses. One of the first things they taught us in lifeguard training was going in the water after a drowning person is the last thing that you want to do. You know, most of us think somebody drowning, jump in the water, try to save them. Jumping in the water is the very last thing. You say, Apostle, what are you saying? They taught us a simple technique in saving a drowning person. The technique was entitled reach, throw, then go. Reach, throw, then go. What that means is that if some if you someone is drowning in the swimming pool, the first thing you want to do when you see them drowning is you stay on dry ground and reach. Try to reach your hand or or to reach a long stick or you stay on dry ground and try to reach and get them. If you cannot get them by reaching, then you want to try to throw something, maybe a flotation device or you stay on dry ground. Maybe try to throw a a flotation device or throw some rope or reach throw. if you can't get them by throwing something. The last thing you want to do is to dive or jump in the water to try and save them. Why? Because a drowning person normally what they have on their mind is saving themselves. And a lot of people that have tried to save a drowning person themselves have gotten drowned by the drowning person. Because a drowning person will grab you and hold on to you tight and hold you underwater. Now instead of one person drowning, it's two of us. Reach, throw. Go. In other words, those first two things, keep yourself on dry ground. Keep yourself safe. Look at what God is saying to us. Watch yourself. Someone is caught in a sin. Someone is drowning. But watch yourself. First. Restore them gently. Watch yourself. Let us watch ourselves in the restoration process of one another. Watch yourself. Look at what the Bible says. Watch yourself. Or you may also be tempted. You got to watch yourself when you're trying to save a drowning person. Why? Or you may also end up drowning. Watch yourself. Well, come on down to verse two, children of God carry each other's burdens. Paul is stressing the importance of you and I taking care of one another. We are brothers and we are sisters. You know, one of the biggest problems in this great country of the United States, is racism. Very big problem. You know, and and that is expected, given that this country is made up of so many different nationalities and creeds. You have African Americans here. You have our white brothers and sisters. You have Native Americans here. You have Chinese. You have Africans. Yeah, I mean, you have so many. And it's human nature to try and gravitate and stick with what you perceive as your own kind. Now, the problem is that with that, sometimes racism um, rears its ugly head. In other words, as blacks, we sticking and trying to stay with our own kind, we think that, you know, uh, whites or other groups are our enemies or whites and trying to stick to their own kind. we think that blacks or other groups are the problem or whatever your group is. If you're not careful, racism can rear its ugly head, blacks being racist against whites whites being racist against black listen my, my, to my African American brothers and sisters many of, many of our African American brothers and sisters feel that our white brothers and sisters many of them are racist listen from where I'm seeing many of us as blacks are just as racist as we think our white brothers and sisters are racism is a aspect of the flesh see It's an aspect of the flesh, just like adultery, just like fornication, just like, you know, it's just an aspect of the flesh. Now, here is the point I I hope that you all understand. All of us, black, white, Indian, uh, African, Asian, we all come from one man. So racism is really stupid. Because we are all members of the same race. No, I'm not talking about black. I'm not talking about white. I'm not talking about Asian. We are all members of the human race. In heaven, if if you can't deal with any other race, then the one you perceive you belong to, whether it's black, whether it's white, whether it's then you're going to have a miserable time in heaven if you even make it. Because the Bible lets us to know that all nationalities, all kindreds, all tongues will be represented in the place that God has prepared for his people since before the foundations of the earth. Heaven is a place that realize that in the natural, we all come from one man, We all come from one woman. And in the spiritual, as children of God, we all have one father, which is God. So I want to encourage you, my brother. I want to encourage you, my sister. One of the main things that the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to broaden your and my horizons. So we can get kind of pigeonholed. With these little natural minds, but the Holy Spirit will open us up and let us and allow us to see things from a totally different perspective. If you, as a black, are looking at at our white brothers and sisters and you see them as being something other than your brothers and sisters, you're blind. If you are white and you are looking at blacks and you see us as something other than your brothers and your sisters, And you are blind. We have to see one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to change in you and change in me is how we see things. How we see people, how we see places, how we see things. You you all hear me oftentimes talking about different countries I've been in. I was in Pakistan last uh, February with our Pakistani brothers and sisters. left Pakistan and went to Nigeria with our Nigerian brothers and sisters. Left Nigeria and went to Rwanda with our Rwandan brothers and sisters. Left Rwanda and went to Uganda with our Ugandan brothers and sisters. Paul said brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters as children of God. Now, if we're not brothers and sisters, then we'll have a lot of this nonsense. I'm black. He's white. She's a uh, Mexican. He, he had that nonsense and had that in fighting. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, we realize we all come from one man, Adam. God made all this great big earth. He didn't make white people. When God made all this great big earth, he didn't make and put black people. When God made all this great big earth, he didn't put Asian people. When God made all this great big earth, he put one man, Adam. I don't know what nationality he was, but he put one man. And we don't know how long it was just one man on this earth. When God decided, he put Adam to sleep, took a rib out of Adam, and made one woman. Didn't give Adam a harem. Didn't give Adam uh, 10 or 15 wives. Didn't give Adam a a black wife to produce black people, a white wife to produce white people, uh, a a red wife. uh -uh. God took from Adam a rib and made one woman. So there was one man, God put him to sleep, took a rib and made one one woman. And from these individuals here came all the races, all the nationalities, all the kindreds, all the tongues. So everybody in the natural is a member of the same race I am, the human race. We are all members of the same race, in the natural. What's that race, Robert? It's the human race. Some of us need to wake up. Need to wake up very seriously. We all come from one man in the natural and in the spiritual as children of God. We all have one heavenly father. So I have my prayer. For every soul under the sound of my voice may we wake up before it's too late before it's too late carry each other's burdens why because we're brothers and sisters in the natural you'll carry your natural brother or sister's burdens some of you may house payments when your sister's having problems or you Loan your brother a couple hundred dollars because you see your brothers and sisters in the natural as your brothers and sisters. But many of you, you don't see uh, uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ as your brothers and sisters. Better wake up before it's too late. Better wake up. And realize something Jesus told Nicodemus that flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. God wants to give you can you flesh can give birth to flesh and you end up in hell but when the spirit gives birth to your spirit now God is preparing you for his eternal kingdom you better pray that that your spirit is 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 has given has been been born again not just your flesh carry each other's burdens see not Uh, complain about your burden or his burden. I'm supposed my job is to help you carry your burden. Your job is to help me carry my burden, not backbite, not gossip me because I have a burden and I'm not to gossip you and backbite you because you have a burden. Carry each other's burdens. You say, Apostle, why is that important? Bible says in this way. You will fulfill the law of Christ. Didn't say the Mosaic law. Mosaic law. You mess around and have the wrong burden in the Mosaic law. And what had to happen? You had to die. But with the law of Christ, now God is instructing us under the new covenant, under the New Testament. Now that we are in the church age, now we are instructed to carry each other's burdens. In other words, help that brother or sister that was caught in the sin. Now you don't come in and stone them for committing that sin, or or gossip about them for committing that sin. Now you help them to come out of that sin. Carry each other's burden, and in this way. God saying in this way now. See, stoning people for their sin, that was another way. That was the Old Testament. Burning up an individual for their sin, that was another way. Burning witches and kittens, that was another way. God said, in this way. Now, what the Lord is bringing in my spirit is the importance of rightly dividing the word of truth. See, because. You know, the scripture instructs and encourages us to rightly divide the word of truth. See, if you don't divide, rightly divide the word of truth, you'll still be killing people for, for their sin. That was what happened in this great country hundreds of years ago. You had a group of individuals or, who who were not rightly dividing the word of truth and they felt like they had witches among them, you know, Salem witch trials and different things. They start killing, killing these women or killing individuals that they suspected of witchcraft. Because in the Old Testament, the Bible says thou shalt not um, permit a witch to live. Well, that was the Old Testament. We're not under the Old Testament. We under the new covenant. We under the new the new law of Christ. You'll find in the, in the book of Acts that witches and sorcerers and different things when the apostle Paul and the other apostles preached and taught the gospel, these individuals burn up their scrolls and they amounted to 50,000 drachma They they, for, they got, came out of that lifestyle of witchcraft. Witches can be saved today. Wizards can be saved today. But if you don't rightly divide the word of truth, you'll be all back in the Old Testament talking about thou shalt not. Permit a witch to live. Well, it wasn't just witches that were killed in the Old Testament. Uh, adulterers were killed in the Old Testament. There was no, there was no nothing like forgiveness and give them another chance in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if a girl got raped and did not cry out and yell and scream long enough, she was killed. Along with the one who performed great in the Old Testament, a whole lot of people died for a whole lot of mistakes. We are not living under the Old Covenant. We are not living under the Old Testament. We We are now living in the days to fulfill the law of Christ. My prayer for you, my brother. My prayer for you, my sister. May we fulfill the law of Christ. What does it mean to fulfill the law of Christ? That means to handle sins now as Christ is instructing, as the the word of God is now instructing. Not the way the word of God instructed thousands of years ago, but the way the word of God is instructing today. Fulfill the law of Christ. My my encouragement to you, my brother, my encouragement to you, my sister. Strive to fulfill the law of Christ. Obedience to the spirit of God. You say, Apostle, how do we fulfill the law of Christ? Obedience to the spirit of God. Strict obedience to the spirit of God. When we don't listen to the spirit of God, we are not fulfilling the law of Christ when we listen to the spirit of god in whatever we do and whatever we say and whatever we think we will automatically fulfill the law of Christ so we want to be obedient we want to be sensitive We want to be mindful with this thing called sin. See, understand something, my brother and my sister. This thing called sin, each one of us commits this thing called sin every day. Let me say that again. This thing called sin, each one of us commits it every day. We are not saved because we are perfect and the world is just full of sin. We got sin in us just like the world. The difference is we have been forgiven of our sins. Our faith in Christ has caused him to forgive our sins. not that we don't commit it. First John 1 and 8, if any man claims he has no sin, he deceives himself and the truth is not in him. So the difference between us and you that's unsaved under the sound of my voice. difference is that we've accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, who has forgiven us of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And you who haven't confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are still in your sins. So you say, Apostle, what do I need to do? Accept Christ immediately. If you are under the sound of my voice, accept Christ immediately. Father, I am a sinner. I want to be saved. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ came, lived, bled, suffered, died, rose again from the dead, ascended back to heaven, and I believe he's coming again. Simple method to be saved. Romans chapter Uh, chapter Romans says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus and that God has raised him from the dead you shall be saved Romans chapter 10 verse 8, 9 and 10 so I encourage you my brother I encourage you my sister let's look at this thing and deal with this thing called life, called sin. This thing called our existence. Let's look and deal properly. When Jesus dealt with the people, and the Lord is bringing this in my spirit now, dealt with the people that caught the woman in the act of adultery. They asked, you know, the law says that we should stone such women, which was a lie. The law doesn't say that. The law says this, the adulterer and the adulteress ought to be put to death, but it doesn't say whether you stone them or burn them or stick a sword through them. So that was a lie. Jesus didn't even deal with that. But what Jesus said was he that is among you that is without sin. Let him cast the first stone. Dealing with this thing called sin. Now, Jesus was without sin. If Jesus chose to, he could have cast some stone. He could have killed. But Jesus said, he that is among you. Jesus said, which one of you all that doesn't have any sin himself or herself? You throw the first stone. What did the people end up doing? They dropped their stones. And they went away till the woman was left with Jesus. You say, Apostle, what are you saying to us? That's what many of us need to do. Drop our stone. Realize that we have issues in us. We have lust in us. We have sin in us. Trying to accuse this one or catch this one or find that. We have sin in us. I want to encourage you, my brother. I want to encourage you, my sister. Let us fulfill the law of Christ. Not the Mosaic Law. That's over. That's done. You know, that served its purpose. Now we are under the law of Christ, where mercy and grace and forgiveness and second and third chances and forgiving individuals seven times 70 all of this this is a a whole new covenant it's a new covenant that's what the new covenant what moses was talking about was the old covenant we are now living in the days of the new covenant i pray someone's spiritual eyes have come open today in the mighty and the glorious name of Jesus Christ. May God continue to bless his people and may he continue to unction us forward in the name of Jesus into deeper truths and to deeper revelations in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. May God bless you, children of God, May heaven continue to smile on each of you. This is Apostle Robert Bryant, pastor of the Christian Center Church Worldwide headquarters, Kenston, North Carolina, USA, signing out.